Hello and welcome to Tape Ops Discussion, where we call our friends and music community notables to chat about their favorite records. Enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Hey Joe, it's Jeff, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm eating Twizzlers. Oh, I thought you said you were eating at Sizzler. <laughs> Hopefully that's just an appetizer. Just a just a light snack. Welcome to Discussion. I'm Jeff Stanfield, and this week we have producer engineer Joe Barisi discussing Boston's first album. So, um, Boston won. First Boston record, man. Doesn't get any better than that, does it really? It's pretty much in all of our DNA, isn't it? It's uh, it's on the radio constantly for years. Still on the radio if you listen to certain channels. And, uh, and it's still classic to me. Doesn't sound dated at all, really. This record has a crazy story. It does. I mean... To me, it was uh, it was all about the fact that Tom Schultz was kind of doing it by himself in his in his whatever his basement studio, and he had all the crazy gear too, like a quad eight and a Flickinger desk or something, and a tons of DBX stuff, just kind of developing his own thing. And then, uh, I mean, I already knew his history; like he worked for Polaroid and developed the one step camera and design some weird way that he can take a snapshot of his guitar sound so we can always come back to it later and recreate it like a poor man's RTA or something. The the other part of the story is, you know, once they got signed that they had this huge scam uh, going, like this ruse to make the record company think that they were recording this record in L.A. when really Tom was just remaking it in his basement in, in Massachusetts. Yeah, I actually um, read somewhere that they transferred the 16 track that he was using to a 24 track. And then John Boylan came out to L.A. with Brad Delp and did some vocal stuff uh, in L.A. at Westlake Audio, which makes sense because the very first time I came out to an AES, I remember Westlake Audio had a they used to sell gear, too. And they had a, a thing at AES with a multi-track that had more than a feeling on it. And I, I thought that was crazy how they could have that. And uh, that's probably why they had it. It was a safety copy of that song done at their studio. The band went to L.A. and recorded um, Let Me Take You Home Tonight and worked on that for, I mean, I don't know how long, but they even bought like a fancy Taylor guitar and put that on the on the budget, even though Tom used like a cheap Yamaha to record More Than a Feeling. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Do, do you remember when you first heard this record? Yes, I do. I mean, to me, it was like a, a period in my life where I was trying to figure out what to do. You know, just like, do I be a musician and play in a band? Do I have to keep dealing with singers? And then do I go to school, try to get an education? 
And then like reading the back of that record and seeing that he went to MIT and saying, oh, it's actually kind of cool that he's a brain person, a smart dude, and he's going to MIT, but he's still in a band and he could still play guitar and keyboards and write songs and record. And so it, it almost gave like going to college justification to me. It was that kind of inspiration where I was like, all right, this is, this is not so bad. This guy did it. Maybe I could do it too. Where were you in your career trajectory when when this record came out? Well, I think at that point, uh, it was, what, 76? So I was like 13 or 14 <laughs> by the time I heard it. And uh, I, I had been playing guitar since I was seven. So it, was, it just got to the point where that's all I wanted to do. you know. And at that point, I was like, what do I do? Do I actually even go to college? Do I care? So it, uh, the first time I heard it, I just thought it was incredible. I mean, the the hand claps and, and then, you know, followed by Peace of Mind. After that, the next song with the the uh, the cool acoustic guitar breaks and then the third time it becomes electric and you're just like, what is going on here, man? This is such a cool record. Yeah, I was a big fan of dual guitar. I loved Thin Lizzy at the time and dabbled yeah. a little bit in a Wishbone Ash or whatever and, and just into the super harmonized guitar parts and, and the way he, him and uh, Barry Gaudreau played together. I mean, who knows who actually did it in his bedroom. It was probably all Tom Schultz playing everything, but the the uh, even the way he did his trills, like to me, it was just like almost with your first two fingers like in the beginning of the phrase and not the end of the phrase it was just an interesting way to phrase stuff uh, the the harmonized solos and the drum fills everything i mean such really fast cool aggressive drum fills amazing bass playing of course too i mean back in the 70s man that was some of the best bass playing on record ever but you know and Somewhere in the 90s, bass players became one-note guys. Was that Tom as well? Do you, I Pro- mean, probably. I, I, I mean, I, I would. I think he probably played a bulk of everything, personally. But, but it didn't. You know, it didn't sound sterile at all to me. It didn't sound perfected either. I mean, now one person plays everything and fixes everything. But he was still on the tape machine at that point. It's funny to go back and listen to a record that you've heard five million times I mean, and have it stand up. I know, you know, when you hear Don't Look Back on the radio, you're like, okay, guitar sounds very rock mini, you know, but the first record doesn't sound rock mini at all. It sounds like he had Marshalls going and he was probably working towards something that he could recreate better or duplicate better later. So, or he fooled the hell out of everybody because I, I, it doesn't sound like a rock band to me. It sounds like a real, like the difference in guitar sounds between the first and second record is mind-blowingly different. Yeah, I mean, do you know, do you know anything about that? I don't. I mean, I want to say he probably had a rig set up in his basement, and it was probably Marshalls, and 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 that was it. And as he got wiser and wiser with electronics and music, and he, you know, his first thing he did was the power soak. So. I'm going to think he developed the power soak probably so he can crank his amps up in his own house at, at two in the morning and not 
disturb any neighbors. So that's probably the first Boston record. It's not just a great sounding record. I mean, the songs, the songwriting is amazing, and the singing is amazing, and the playing is amazing. It's like it's kind of perfect, you know. And I, and obviously, twenty five million other people thought so too. So, um, any favorite tracks on this? I mean, the the other thing is it's only eight eight songs. I know it's so awesome. Well, now now you get bands that want to record seventeen songs, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's two albums, but um, you know, I mean, they're all so good to me. I think they're every one of them was a single as well. I think even "Let Me Take You Home Tonight" was a single. It's just crazy. Yeah, "Hitch a Ride" the way it starts out is awesome. You know, maybe, maybe the one that comes on the radio um, more often is always more than a feeling. That's that's definitely the favorite, but they're all so good. Smoking is incredible. Maybe smoking wasn't a hit. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't a single. But um, rock and roll band, massive. Always on the radio. Great drum fills. That big stop in the middle after the first chorus and right into the in the second verse. That really cool drum fill. I think that's the one song that has a different drummer on it. I always wondered, like, how does that happen? You know, like back in, when I was 11 or 12 or whatever it was, I was listening to this record, just going, why is there two drummers on this album? What do you mean this other guy's not in the band? Or, or maybe he was in the band and got fired. And you always try to figure out the story behind it because there was nobody with a video camera taping the whole thing as it went down like now. Is this a record that you, you reference in your work today still? Uh, you know what's so crazy is like, couple months ago my buddy and i were like we always shoot stuff out in my studio when we're when we have time off you know and just put some microphones up and test them out reamp stuff through them or it depends on how anal we want to get if we're, we're you know i mean right now i'm trying to find a 251 clone and i've been reamping the same guitar sound through almost 100 microphones changing out tubes and transformers and everything possible to try to keep it you know as close close to the source as possible and then and seeing what the components do, but um, the the thing about more than a feeling is that we were testing out some acoustic guitar mics a while back, and that's the song that always gets played. Like if it sounds good playing more than a feeling, then that's the acoustic guitar mic you want to buy. <laughs> yeah, apparently it was on a hundred dollar Yamaha. Amazing. discussion.